Crown Corner for Charlotte FC, getting you ready for the FC Cincinnati weekend matchup and also uh, a quick look back at what we had on Wednesday night between the Crown and NYCFC, a 1-1 draw. And going back and looking at that one and listening to Christian Latonfield, I think he defended his initial philosophy and said, you know what, guys, I'm not trying to sit here and, and park the bus philosophically. He thought there were other opportunities where the Crown could have actually played with the ball and not had the kind of vulnerability they had on the right end. I don't know if I got necessarily the best defense of, of where exactly uh, his modus operandi was in terms of the pinching in of Bill Tuiloma to allow for all that open space for Brian Kufre down the defensive right end, their offensive left end, and he left hit, uh, NYCFC with a lot of open space in the final moments, and eventually it led to the equalizing goal in the 81st minute. Jess is... We kind of look back on Wednesday night. It's a scenario that became all too familiar, has become all too familiar for Charlotte FC fans. Get themselves a lead and unfortunately succumb to a not-so-winning position. Yeah, it's just disappointing when you're losing points from winning positions at this point. And I'm not going to say that we deserved a point, that we deserved three points, because let's be honest, the stats don't lie when it comes to the shots and the chances that NYCFC created towards Charlotte's three opportunities, you know? It was one of those where NYCFC looked the most likely to score and they looked the most likely to win the game. We were clinging on for dear life towards the end. Unfortunately, what makes it frustrating is that we did have that goal. Mackenzie Gaines deserves a lot of praise for the finish. It was a fantastic finish from Mackenzie Gaines, who I thought did a good job getting into the right area. And it's a really calm, composed finish from that distance. We talked about how easy that one is to get wrong with the finish. Mackenzie's done a good job there. But that goal is one of the few highlights in terms of our offensive capability, whether some of that's because we lost Enzo Capetti, whether that's some of the fact that we had a different midfield, so maybe some connecting issues. We just weren't creating chances that deserved us an opportunity to win that game. And you can't give any side in this league 20 plus opportunities in front of frame against a more clinical side, against a more comfortable side, a more confident side. You look at who we're playing this weekend against Cincinnati, a team that's not afraid to score and isn't afraid to finish their opportunities. You get punished a lot more severely than we did by NYCFC. Is there a common thread in, I guess, this four-game stretch? And even if you extrapolate it further, six games in a row without a win, you know, I think each game is its different own animal. I'm not going to try and sit here and say that they're doing one thing incredibly badly, although the one thing they are doing uh, that I think has a lot of fans frustrated is allowing the most goals in MLS. And that's the part of it that you look at and you say is not something you want to see happen if you are where Charlotte FC sits right now, trying to fight for playoff lives. Uh, it's a scenario right now that's developing, Jess, where uh, it, it's it's hard to really feel like a lead is safe right now. And, and even when they, they get a lead, it, it comes either against the run of play or it doesn't really come with any kind of accompanying momentum. I thought that you know the goal that McKenzie scored, like you said, uh, could have potentially put Charlotte FC with the ball running, but it just seemed like it was just a blip on the radar for NYC because they held momentum basically from the word go on Wednesday. Yeah, I think you're right. A lot of the times you get a goal and 
you know, that's the belief you needed. You kind of understand, okay, we've scored this one against the run of play. Now we want to stamp our foot on it with the lead. And unfortunately, after that shot, there wasn't another shot until Kerwin Vargas takes his shot on target. And that was basically a back pass for Barraza in goal, if we're completely honest. When you look at the common thread, I do think a lot of the reasoning behind the fact we're conceding so many goals is that lack of chemistry, is that revolving back door in terms of the personnel in our back line. It feels like we never have a consistent back line. And even when we start with a back line, unfortunately, due to injuries, we're not able to keep that back line. We look at Guzman Corujo again, having to come out and no disrespect to Jan Sobinczynski, but he's not going to be able to replace Guzman Corujo in terms of all of its attributes. And we saw us concede again after having to make defensive substitutions. And I think that anybody that has played as a defender or a goalkeeper will kind of agree in the mindset that when you have to make those changes, it does take a while to adjust to the differences, the different strengths, the different weaknesses of each defensive player. You know, Jan sobinczynski has got things in his locker that Guzman Corujo doesn't have, but he also has things that Guzman Corujo, you know, has things that are far superior to Jan. And I think that when we have to make these changes week over week with our back line, it, it kind of leads to that lack of consistency and that lack of being able to you know, keep clean sheets. What is it? Three clean sheets the entire season? It's just mm -hmm. not good enough. And, and now from the offensive standpoint, uh, Charlotte FC looks like it's going to have to be without Enzo Capetti this weekend, according to what Christian Latanzio said. And he made it sound like uh, there's an MRI that's pending and potentially the absence could even be longer than just this upcoming weekend. Uh, a devastating blow for Charlotte FC. We also found out during his comments that Vinny Mello, who would have been a potential replacement uh, in that vein after a great moonlighting with Crown Legacy, is down with an injury as well. And so it's a scenario that's developed, unfortunately, Jess, that Charlotte is unfortunately now desperately thin at the forward position. Uh, Carol Svidersky played that position on Wednesday didn't have a, what I would call an effective game after Capetti's injury. And right now, the only other offensive option at the center forward position is Patrick Ajiman, who has done well when called upon, but yet very much unproven. It's a scenario that, unfortunately for Charlotte, they're going to have to come up with some different uh, ideas to ask some questions of a very stingy FC Cincinnati defense coming up on Saturday. Just feels like we can't catch a break with the injuries, you know. Firstly, it's the defense players, now it's the offensive players. And just as we were celebrating getting our three designated players back on the pitch for the first time uh, in a month, we end up losing another one for what could be, uh, I think the tweets that I've seen have said eight weeks. That's not good to be missing Enzo Capetti for Patrick Adjuman. I think it's a great opportunity for the young gun to prove himself, but we do have to minimize our expectations and take things with a grain of salt, knowing that he is a young gun in his rookie year. And, you know, he's going to be learning the game. He's in terms of adjusting to MLS. Karol Swiderski can play there, like we said. Carol can play there. But, you know, we lose Carol's creativeness in the midfield. Does Ben Bender slot in? A player that I think a lot of us have felt was hard done by to not even see the pitch. It'll be interesting to see. But like you say, Will, when you come up against Cincinnati, nine clean sheets on this season, they have that for a reason. Yes, they're missing Matt Miazga out of the back line. That's going to be a pretty substantial loss in terms of defensive line. Yes, they have kind of found themselves waning a little bit of form. I would say on paper, this could be the best time for us to play FC Cincinnati with their two losses in terms of Brandon Vazquez and Miazga on the roster and the fact that they're not quite in blaring form as of yet. 
Yeah, yeah, Vasquez is one too, just where, you know, it's not like he's having the kind of season that he had to start 2022, but he is certainly uh, one of their top options in terms of offense. Uh, time for the lead and goals with Dominic Baji, who has been dealing with a bit of an injury. He's questionable coming into tomorrow's matchup too. So if they don't have Vasquez or Baji, they could be in deep trouble in their offensive line. Of course, Lucha Costa uh, leading uh, all scorers with them with nine goals, six assists. Uh, I was talking about the uh, forward line in terms of Vasquez. And of course, a lot of the, the work goes through Acosta. It's a scenario, too, where I'm not saying this has come out of nothing, but, you know, I was asked earlier today, you know, what what has happened with them? I think a lot of it has just been time has has passed and, and they've gotten guys developed. They've gotten chemistry developed. I think we've talked a lot about how some of the teams that you look at are, as the blueprints are the ones that have kind of struck gold quick, like Atlanta, LAFC, and even St. Louis now in the expansion era. But I almost feel like something like what Cincinnati's doing might honestly be a more sustainable model to follow because, yeah, they were spooners for a couple of years, but now this is the second year in a row where not only are they solidly in the playoff race, but they're in the hunt for the Supporters' Shield this year. Yeah, leading the Supporters' Shield, only have those two losses on the entire season. I think with Cincinnati, like you say, they've grown, they've developed, and they've been patient through the changes. I'm not trying to say that's what Charlotte fans should aim for. You know, you don't want to be finishing the bottom of the league three times, I think it was, before they were able to avoid that wooden spoon. But nonetheless, they're doing something right over there. They have been able to get a star player in Acosta. I don't think you can underestimate the role that Acosta has. They are a bit of a one-man band in terms of the impact that Acosta does pulling the strings in that playmaker role. He has been a huge difference maker for this side. And then, like you say, cultivating, developing and advancing players' careers like Brandon Vazquez, who has come you know, such a long way from his days as a backup in Atlanta United. They're doing things right over there, but let's try and make sure we stop them doing it right against us. Very much so. And, and looking at uh, what Charlotte FC could possibly do to counter against uh, the work of Cincinnati could be the insertion of Scott Arfield, who we saw for about a 30-plus minute spell in the game on Wednesday. I know that it's probably a little bit... Uh, too, sample, too small of a sample size to look at from our field's perspective and say, oh my goodness, there were these glaring revelations. But what can he bring for Charlotte if he's called upon on Saturday that we've been missing in the midfield? Yeah, I think he brings experience, which is helpful to have players alongside Westwood that have experience. I think that he's got an engine on him. We saw it in that run through the middle of the park where he really is able to be that true box-to-box. -box. He's at a very fit part of his career, despite his age. I think a lot of people thought with that advanced age, he wouldn't be as physical, wouldn't be as fit. But from what we've seen and what we've heard, he's extremely in peak condition right now. So he'll offer that engine to go box to box. I think he does have a bit of a mean streak in him, but would like to see a bit more of it. I think we both made comments about how perhaps he was a little shaken by the physicality of the match against NYCFC. He'll need to try and run that show. I, I think that if we see a Bram Bronico coming in, because we know that Harrison Awful's still struggling and he was playing in that holding mid role, uh, I like the idea of simplifying it for Brandt, right? I, I know I've been a little critical of Bram Bronico and like his ability to have an effect, but we know Brandt can be an incredible number six, an incredible defensive mid that's able to really be that bulldozer. And I think if you have someone like Arfield in front of him to do the legwork, the number eight position, it frees up the likes of Bram Bronico to focus on their task of being a disruptive number six. And that's the thing, too, that 
almost has me, I don't want to say worried, but what they've done with this tactically is is they've moved Jones up to play alongside the number six and maybe even offer the six being kind of in more of a uh, support role. I feel like they just got to play it straight up and, and just leave Derek where he is and, you know, have it look more like it's a, a four with, you know, the holding six, the two attacking midfielders and the wingers on the outside. I, I feel like it's a scenario where Christian Latanto has put a lot tactically on this team. And I'm almost wondering if maybe it's become almost too much for them to handle at this point. I think sometimes it's good to strip things back and go to the basics, right? And just make sure we get the best out of each individual player for what they're capable of. And that's not saying that the guys we have on the field aren't smart soccer players. We know they are. You don't become a professional soccer player without having a high level of soccer IQ. But some of the tasks that are being asked, like you say, will are overcomplicated. And it's even more overcomplicated when you have different people filling those gaps every single match. We saw with Justin Merrim having to go into the midfield. Justin Merrim didn't work in a central midfield role. He looked lost. We know Merrim's an ultimate professional. We know how good he can be. But sometimes I think we just have to stick to the simplicity, stick to where players uh, uh, you know, have their skills, have their traits, and where we see the most success out of them, and maybe not try and fit um, square pegs in round holes. Looking forward to a game tomorrow at home. Uh, this fixture was a 2-0 fixture for Charlotte last year. The return engagement was 2-0 in Cincinnati. It is also Marvel Hero Night. Uh, the Upper Bowl is open. There will be Military Appreciation Night and also fireworks after the match. And folks who come to the match early can receive a Marvel Challenge coin that depicts the uh, Captain America shield along with the Charlotte FC logo on it. Uh, will you be dressed as a member of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Jess? You know what? You've given me an idea. Let's see what happens, Willie P. Let's see what happens. I'm a, I've been told that I don't know if my, my Captain America shield can fit through the door. So that 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 may or may not happen on uh, on Saturday. But uh, keep watching for us on that uh, on Saturday. Be sure also, if you are uh, listening at home, you can do so via the MLS Season Pass languages portion. You can select home radio and get us and on the home radio with the pretty pictures. If not, you can check us out anywhere on the Charlotte FC Radio Network and on our flagship WFNZ 92.7 FM in Charlotte. Jess, safe ride up, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much, Will. Let's hope we're talking about fireworks on the field. Let's make it happen. Charlotte FC, FC Cincinnati on Saturday, and you'll hear it all on the Charlotte FC Radio Network.